Hello and welcome to ClassicalPodcast.com. I'm Lou Smoley, and it's been our great pleasure to offer you our diverse programs of classical music, which include commentary, panel discussions, and interviews, all free of charge for more than five years. We are delighted with the huge response to our programs and are proud of the fact that ClassicalPodcast.com is the most listened to website of its kind in the world. If you've enjoyed our programs and would like to have them continue as a free service, please consider supporting the website by making a contribution. Donations are made through PayPal on our website homepage, classicalpodcasts.com. We encourage you to make a monthly contribution if you can. All revenues from our donations will be used to defray the expenses of the website. Classicalpodcast.com, Inc. is a nonprofit organization, and all donations are tax-deductible under applicable U.S. tax laws. We thank you for listening to our programs, hope you continue to do so, and for your generous support of ClassicalPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of Buried Treasure. I'm Lou Smoley, and we're going to continue on with our summer fun that we began the last time with uh, British light classics. Uh, This time, we're featuring a single composer, uh, in a way, uh, the American counterpart uh, of the British light music composers, but We feature him, and I'll mention who I'm talking about in a moment, we feature him and his music because he made such a unique contribution to light classics during the 20th century. And I'm speaking of none other than Leroy Anderson. Anderson's name, I think, uh, particularly in the post-World War II period, was a household word. Uh, His music appeared on radio, as theme songs, on television later on in the same context. Uh, It was played in band concerts uh, and became a kind of familiar voice uh, in the lighter vein uh, of orchestral music. Anderson was born in 1908 uh, to parents of Swedish heritage, That served him quite well, as I'll mention uh, a little later, Uh, but uh, he uh, studied in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, and received a degree from Harvard, Uh, and already during that time, uh, he was studying composition uh, with Walter Piston and George Enescu. Uh, He also led the Harvard Band for a number of years, and guest-spotted uh, in 1938, uh, with the Boston Pops. And it was then uh, that uh, Anderson caught the eye and ear of the discerning leader of the Pops, Arthur Fiedler, who promptly asked Anderson to write some pieces for the orchestra. Uh, he did, and the rest, in a sense, is history. Uh, during World War II, there was somewhat of a break uh, during which he served at the, in the U.S. Army, And as a translator of uh, Scandinavian languages, uh, he still uh, 
continued to write music whenever he could, uh, and uh, his arrangements of popular music uh, contributed a great deal to his uh, celebrity, uh, but it was, I think, his own pieces. And the fact that for those old enough to remember them, uh, since they're not the, the genre that's most popular today, unfortunately, which can't help uh, being swept up by this easygoing character of his music, and also by its humor, as I think you'll see. Uh, there'll be, I suspect, several pieces that you'll hear, which you'll recognize, uh, but may not remember the title. So I've decided to put the titles uh, of the pieces that we're playing after they're played uh, to give you a chance to, to use your nostalgic memories uh, and have some fun identifying these ever-popular uh, pieces. Uh, and I should also mention about Anderson that uh, while he didn't venture into so-called serious music, uh, he did write for the theater, particularly uh, his musical uh, Goldilocks uh, from 1958, which really deserves a revival. We are most fortunate to have recordings conducted by the composer uh, with his own pickup orchestra that did such justice uh, to the compositions that you, when you hear other versions, and there have been uh, recorded uh, some by other conductors and other orchestras, you get a sense that the recordings by Anderson are not just authentic because the composer was leading them, but truly representative of the style of the period and also of the style of Anderson's music in particular. I've decided to group these 26 pieces we're going to hear in groups mostly of three pieces. Uh, so you'll, I'll play them, you'll listen to them, think back to the good old days, uh, and then afterwards, of course, I'll let you in on the pieces you just heard. So let's start off with a trio of pieces by the great Leroy Anderson.
Did you recognize any? Well, the first is one of his most famous. It's called Serenata. Uh, it's a lovely piece, I think, and I think it puts you in the mood for much that you're going to hear. The second is called Horse and Buggy, and that piece indicates, I think, the humor of the composer, um, and it's, it's most delightful. The third, Trumpeter's Lullaby, was also a showcased piece during the 50s. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the name of the trumpeter who played the solo. So let's go on then with the next three in our groupings uh, and listen to the music of Leroy Anderson.
Some of this music just evokes the summertime feeling of, of joy. The bells of the first piece, Song of the Bells, uh, ringing out uh, the joys of the season. Summer Skies, the title of the second piece we just heard, and finally Promenade, which is a, another one of the more familiar Anderson compositions. Our next three should be a lot of fun uh, for those of you who recall uh, Anderson's pieces and may have difficulty, as I say, naming them. So let's listen to this next group of three and see how well you do.
Well, first piece is very famous, Sleigh Ride. Uh, it is not a summer piece, but yet uh, would easily find its way in, into the band shells uh, across the country uh, during that season because uh, it, it just evokes uh, uh, the opposite character of the season, obviously winter. Uh, but it, it, it's sleigh bells, and it's just easy uh, uh, gait. It's just, it just evokes not just wintertime, but a, a sense of ease uh, and, and relaxation. The second piece is uh, from Goldilocks. Uh, it's called The Pussyfoot, uh, and it is the only composition, I think, that I've included from Anderson's theater work, uh, but I again suggest strongly that somebody get at considering uh, doing a production of Goldilocks, which I think would be of surprising interest to many. The a third piece that we just heard is called Home Stretch, uh, obviously evoking the summer's favorite sport, I think still, baseball. Uh, and uh, there, the, the music speaks for itself. Uh, it's, it's lively, it's delightful. Uh, it's not as well known as the others, uh, but I think in the next grouping, you'll, you'll really have a good time trying to recall the names of these three Anderson works.
All right, the first of the three, the blue tango, uh, which was, should be obvious because it was used on so many programs. The second may not be as familiar, Bugler's Holiday, a kind of contrast with Trumpeter's Lullaby that we heard earlier, uh, but uh, no less delightful. Uh, and the last of the three, I think you could tell just by virtue of the sounds that are used, the Sandpaper Ballet. Uh, and, of course, you, you hear this wonderful grating sound of sandpaper, really, to evoke the sandpiper. <laughs> the next group contains some of my favorites, uh, and the first one in particular, which is a military piece, and, of course, we know that Anderson did serve in the military, uh, but one of a very special kind, akin, in a sense, to Mahler's Wunderhorn song, Ravelga, although not as, uh, as forceful as it becomes. The second piece we're going to hear is more familiar ballet music. Uh, again, I won't tell you what the title is, but you may recall it. And the third is, is a, again, a, a familiar light piece, very somber and, and, and casual.
Well, the first of these three is called the Phantom Regiment. Uh, the second, Lady in Waiting. And the last, Sarah Bond. I think Sarah Bond was used uh, for uh, some theme music at some point in time or another. The next grouping of three uh, can, is an indication of, in part, Anderson's sense of humor. The first piece particularly, but the last piece shows Anderson in his creative mood. Uh, and the middle piece is uh, uh, a more uh, eloquent and, and gracious uh, piece uh, which uh, evokes the feminine beauties of, of the ballroom.
Did you recognize Fiddle Faddle? That was the first piece, of course. Um, and, and, you know, Anderson had a lot of fun uh, in, in writing and in performing his music. He was a rather, rather cool character. Uh, but nevertheless, the music was so cute, so uh, full of, of, of joy, as well as a little uh, tongue-in-cheek humor that uh, can be wonderful, especially uh, in sitting back, say, in a park, as we envisioned in the last Buried Treasure program, uh, and listening uh, to his music. Uh, the second is called Girl in Satin, was also very familiar and often played. And, of course, the, the third, the typewriter, uh, which uses a typewriter in a very clever way, I think, uh, where uh, the verse, as it were, is typed uh, on a machine uh, rhythmically to the music, uh, and then when the typewriter, for those who remember this kind of typewriter, reaches the end of the line, the bell rings, and the, the cartridge is brought back to the beginning of the line for the next line. And, and so all of that is, is, is an indication of not only the, the humorous spirit of Anderson, but also how clever he was in using sometimes household uh, mechanical means uh, to evoke uh, a particular image. The next grouping uh, contains uh, three pieces that I think pretty much all of you should recognize, but again, you may not recall the name.
The three began with the waltzing cat. Uh, great fun, almost cartoon-like, but uh, again, it's, it's this tongue-in-cheek humor that sometimes comes out full force, as, as I think it does in Waltzing Cat. But it's a, it's a theme, for me, that is very hard to forget. It just seems to roll around there uh, in, its, in its musing, very gentle, uh, feline way uh, that is, is just astonishing. And the second, Plink, Plank, Plunk, was used as a theme music of an old TV show called The Masquerade Party. Anybody remember that? Uh, in which uh, famous people would come out in masked costume uh, and the panel would try to find out uh, who they were. And the last, Bell of the Ball, of course, well, one of Anderson's most famous waltzes. Next, we're going to play just two pieces, uh, just so we can come out even. Uh, and uh, let's see how you do with these. The first uh, features Anderson at the piano, I should mention, uh, but here is Anderson, and I'm going to give you a little hint, in his dreamy mood. Uh, and I think the, the piece is very simple. The melody is, it repeats itself with a little uh, variations, uh, but it just takes you up in its, in its nostalgic look at the past. The second piece evokes a more oriental character, uh, which again uh, is familiar. Anderson having a very wide range uh, of interests that would evoke something in his music.
So what have we heard? Forgotten Dreams is the first piece, one of my favorites. Uh, so lovely. It's something that one could sit back in a lounge chair uh, and, and just be carried away by. The second is called China Doll. Uh, and uh, there, some modal elements uh, make it a, a certainly characteristic uh, oriental piece. We're going to close with uh, three pieces, all of which I think are relatively familiar, but the last one is the most famous of all, and that's why we saved it for the end.
first of the three, the penny whistle song, of course, uh, in which uh, a penny whistle is used naturally. Uh, the second is called Jazz Pizzicato, and was one of my favorites as a young man uh, because uh, it, it was often played by our orchestra in school. And the last, of course, the undoubtedly f most famous of Anderson's pieces, Syncopated Clock. Uh, it was the theme music for one of the most popular movie programs on television in the 50s and early 60s, The Late Show. Uh, and I think, in fact, when The Late Show added on a second feature and called itself The Late Late Show, the syncopated clock continued to be the theme. It was extraordinarily popular and a, a brilliant idea of having the, the ticking of the clock be the rhythm, but then Occasionally, there's a little syncopation uh, that makes it upbeat. And so we've had a fairly substantial look at just the most popular and the most famous of the many, many compositions of that great American light classical composer, Leroy Anderson. Next time on Buried Treasure, uh, we get a little more serious, uh, and we are featuring uh, for two programs... Uh, the symphonies, all eight of them, uh, of one of the great Finnish composers uh, of the 20th century, Aino Johanni Rautavara. I think if you don't know this name, you really should listen, because this is a man who wrote music that stirs your blood, that is intense and dramatic and fascinating, creative, and this no end of adjectives I could use to describe his music. And we're presenting it uh, as part of our contribution to the celebration of the 100th anniversary of the independence of Finland. And uh, so that will take place in two programs consecutively. And so until then, this has been Lou Smoley for Buried Treasure. Again, as always, wishing you great adventures in discovering the buried treasures of classical music. And please don't forget to make a contribution to the website to keep it a free service. Just go to our homepage at classicalpodcasts.com where you can donate any amount through PayPal.